you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we recap another tough Orioles loss as they fall 10-2 to at the hands of the Houston Astros on Monday night in Game 1 of a three-game series, narrowly avoid getting no hit by the Astros and also play a game that was muddled, puddled and such by rain and don't know what the umpires were really doing letting that game continue late in the day, but we will get to all of it with the five things you need to know from that one. Then we will talk about some recent Orioles roster moves, including the decision to DFA Chance Cisco, what that means for his future, and also Cesar Valdez going on the injured list. Does this explain maybe some of his recent struggles? And then we talk about a large group of Orioles minor league promotions that they made on Sunday, with the biggest name of all being Gunnar Henderson being promoted to high A Aberdeen, but there were a lot of other players who were moving up the minor league ladder. So that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by another podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That is Locked On MLB. Join Walking Baseball Encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully, every day on Locked On MLB for a unique look at the majors both present and past. Featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from the Locked On MLB Network's team of local experts, and insightful analysis of the day's biggest stories, Locked On MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts. So we start today with another Orioles loss. They fall 10-2 on Monday night in Game 1 of a three-game series against the Houston Astros at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Orioles now 23-49 and on the season as they dropped game one of this series. And the first thing you need to know from the game is that, frankly, the Orioles almost got no hit in this one. Game was started by Jake Odorizzi for the Houston Astros. Five scoreless, hitless innings for him. He struck out nine. He walked just one. The walk was a walk to DJ Stewart with one out in the fifth. That was the Orioles' first base runner. Then Christian Javier came in, six up, six down for him with two strikeouts. Then the rain came, and then Brandon Bielek came in in the eighth. He retired the first batter he faced, striking out DJ Stewart. Then he hit Austin Hayes with a pitch, and then Michael Franco took a 1-2 hanging curveball, took it out to center field for a two-run home run to break up the no-hitter, make it a 10-2 game there in the eighth. And to be honest, Franco took an 0-2 curveball that should have been called strike three, except for the fact that Angel Hernandez was behind the plate. He called it a ball because uh, he doesn't really know what the strike zone is. And Franco took advantage two pitches later with a two-run shot to break up the no-hitter. Stevie Wilkerson actually had a single as the next batter. And uh, those were the only two Orioles hits of the night. But shout-out to Michael Franco, who uh, avoided the Orioles. Would have been on the end of a combined no-hitter by the Houston Astros. Second thing you need to know from the 10-2 loss is that what the heck were the umpires and, and everyone involved doing with this game? Now, the game started already an hour late, slated to start at 7.05. It first pitch was at 8.05 Eastern time on Monday night because of some rain in the area, one hour delay. Then they play the game and, you know, they get down to the fifth, sixth inning and the, the rain starts to return, get to the seventh. Uh, it's getting harder and harder. 
Uh, you know, Orioles batting in the bottom of the seventh. It's pouring. They come back out there in the top of the eighth. Max Soroller is on the mound, and it is just a torrential downpour. You know, Soroller's giving up runs. It's a 7 nothing Astros lead in the eighth inning at that point. You're thinking, they're going to call this. It's a full game. The Astros are going to get the win. They're going to get some sort of rain-shortened combined no-hitter, which would have been a weird thing, but why not here in 2021 Major League Baseball? But the umpires just keep everyone on the field. The entire field becomes a puddle. And then with one out in the top of the eighth, they finally bring the tarp out after the infield was basically underwater. And the delay there was just 41 minutes because, you know, it didn't pour for much longer. Then they had to get the tarp off and then put all the drying agent all in the infield just to finish up the game, have Max Soroller give up three more runs, have the Orioles score two and break up the no-hitter, and have it be a 10-2 to final. Just a mess, not just the field, but the way it was handled. It was not safe out there, especially uh, in those seventh and eighth innings before that second rain delay. It was pouring. The field was basically flooded. You, you need to get the guys off the field, and it just didn't happen, and I, I can't really understand why. Third thing you need to know from the game is that it was quite an up-and-down start for Keegan Aiken, who took the bump for the Orioles on Monday night, went four innings, allowing five runs on six hits, struck out five, walked four, gave up a homer, threw 83 pitches, and now has a 6.42 ERA on the season. The reason I say it was so up and down is because all the runs came in one inning. He gave up five runs in the third inning, which included a three-run homer uh, that was hit the other way by Jordan Alvarez. But other than that, he's threw a scoreless first, threw a scoreless second, threw a scoreless fourth, uh, and then he allowed the first base runner in the fifth to reach via single and then was pulled in favor of Travis Lakins. But you know, those first, second, and fourth innings looked pretty good from, from Keegan Aiken. You know, he struck out five, but he walked four, and it was just a very you know Keegan Aiken-esque start. He went to his fastball a lot 57% of the time. It was sitting right around 92, and you know it had a pretty good day, 34% CSW, got 14 called strikes with that fastball, only got two whiffs, though, and it was a little concerning, you know, even though he struck out five batters, he only got three whiffs on 83 pitches, two fastballs and one changeup. He got swings and misses on. That is not a good day, especially when you're getting five strikeouts. Now, it is nice that, you know, with only three whiffs, you end up with five Ks on the day, which means you're probably, you know, getting some called strikes, called strikeouts, locating your pitch as well. But you need more whiffs than that, especially against a high-powered Astros lineup, and that is why he gave up five runs in that third inning. And uh, you just got to throw more strikes. Can't be walking four batters in four innings. Fourth thing you need to know from the game is that Travis Lakins was pretty good coming out of the bullpen and relieving Keegan Aiken. Lakins was added to the roster before Monday's game after uh, Cesar Valdez was put on the injured list. And he pitched pretty well. You know, he ended up going two and a third innings and, and was charged with two runs on three hits, two strikeouts and no walks. He threw just 32 pitches. Uh, but, you know, until the seventh inning when Lakins had to leave um, and, and ended up, you know, two runs being charged to him in the top of the seventh, he was he was pitching the ball pretty well uh, for the Orioles. And, uh, you know, his his fastball was was looking pretty good, to be honest, and he's really mixing it with the cutter and the curveball and the, the four-seamer looked good. The four-seamer got a couple of whiffs. Um, he, he was mixing his pitch as well, and, uh, you know, I thought he looked pretty solid. I know he ended up with two runs, but he gave the Orioles some length, you know, ending up recording seven outs. And you got to like that from a guy, you know, in a, in a blowout game who, who comes right up from the minor leagues in that day, pitches two and a third. And the final thing you need to know from the game is that, you know, it was the first day of the MLB enforcing 
uh, the sticky stuff checks and, you know, checking each pitcher got checked at least once coming off the field in this game. And the thing you need to know is that, you know, nobody really took a, a giant dip um, in spin rates, which means it looks like at least uh, from the pitchers that the Orioles used on Monday night, it doesn't look like any of them were really using, you know, maybe that's spider tack stuff. Now, I will say everybody did take some sort of dip in spin rates. You know, Keegan Aiken spin rates a little bit down. Lakin spin rates a little bit down. Dylan Tate's really weren't changed. Uh, Max Rollers were a little bit further down. And uh, Cole Salsers, who pitched a scoreless ninth, his were a little bit down as well. But none of the spin rates were, were crazy down, where you'd be like, wow, he really you know misses using sticky stuff. Now, they were down for the Orioles, but again, not crazy down, which leads you to believe that maybe none of those pitchers were using anything crazy anyway. But, you know, maybe were using a little sunscreen and rosin, and not that it would have helped them anyways. It was pouring rain, and that was the funniest thing. They, they checked Max Aroller um, in the pouring rain, and it's like... Even if you have anything, that's going to be washed off. Like, what are the umpires doing at that point? But that's how it went over. Orioles lose 10-2 to in the series opener against the Astros. But, you know, the Orioles also made some roster moves uh, over the last couple of days. I mentioned one of them was Cesar Valdez going to the IL and Travis Lakins being activated. Orioles also DFA Chance Cisco over the weekend as well. We're going to talk about those two moves and really uh, how they affect the players involved and the team as well when we come back after this break. So we'll get back to talking Orioles in just a second, but first got to tell you about Wealthfront. Investing, it can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle it all. And Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. All you need is $500 to get started. So to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnMLB to start growing your savings. One more time, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB to get started today. So on today's episode, we also wanted to have a chance to break down a couple of roster moves that the Orioles made recently, one that was made before Monday's game, and actually one that was made all the way back on Friday afternoon before the weekend series against the Blue Jays, but we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. Now, the first one we did discuss a little bit on Monday's episode, and that was the move to add Thomas Eshelman to the 40-man roster and call him up to eventually make that start on Friday night against the Blue Jays, which he pitched well, you know, four and two thirds innings, gave up just one run and helped the Orioles to a seven to one win in Friday night's game. And in doing that, you know, Eshelman took Bruce Zimmerman's spot on the active roster as Bruce was placed on the injured list. He was slated to start Friday's game, but now he is on the IL. Now we were told it was left biceps tendonitis for Zimmerman. And uh, obviously the hope is that, you know, it's only around a, you know, 10 to 15 day stint on the injury list. He misses two starts, maybe three at most, and the Orioles can get him back because, you know, right now you can argue their two best pitchers in Means and Zimmerman are both on the injured list. But, you know, Ashelman was added and, and, you know, he pitched well enough, I would say, on Friday to keep himself in the rotation, at least for now. And if for some reason, you know, it doesn't work out with 
you know, Eshelman sticking there. They have Zach Lowther, who the Orioles have gone to multiple times this season, sitting in AAA. He's another option to call up. And then, you know, you have a guy like Alex Wells, who after a pretty bad start in AAA has been really good over his last four starts for the Tides. He's on a 40-man roster, has yet to make his big league debut yet, but the left-hander, you know, could see some time as well. So the Orioles have some options at AAA too, but it looks like Eshelman will be there. But, you know, the Orioles had to call up Tom Eshelman, and, and the reason it was a little surprising that it was Eshelman instead of a guy like maybe Lowther or maybe Wells or someone else is that Eshelman was not on the 40-man roster. Of course, you know, we had seen Thomas Eshelman in the bigs in 2019 and 2020 with the Orioles, but he had been DFA'd off the 40-man. No one had claimed him, so the Orioles were able to keep him in the organization, and he had pitched uh, so far this season in AAA Norfolk. But the Orioles had to clear a 40-man roster spot because, you know, Bruce Zimmerman only on the 10-day IL, he keeps that spot. And the Orioles finally made the move to DFA Chance Cisco. Now, we know a couple weeks ago they had decided to option him to AAA Norfolk in what is his final option season here in 2021 because you know the stats were just so bad. In 23 games, 73 plate appearances, he was hitting just 154 with a 247 on base, had just two extra base hits. They were both doubles, no home runs on the year for Cisco, 18 strikeouts to just six walks. And you know the defense, as we know, was horrendous as well. And the Orioles made the move to option him to Norfolk. And, you know, he spent a, a little bit of time with the Norfolk Tides. Ended up getting into 12 games with the Tides, 52 plate appearances, and just wasn't hitting either. I mean, 205 average, 327 on base, did hit a homer, had three doubles, but 17 strikeouts to just seven walks in 12 games. And, you know, he basically was looking as bad as he looked in the majors. It's just, you know, his numbers had a little bit of a bump because obviously, you know, the level of competition goes down when you go from the big leagues to AAA. But, you know, per what competition he was facing, he really didn't look any better in those 12 games with the Tides and the Orioles DFA'd him. So at this point for Chancisco, 26 years old, you know, a catcher, left-handed hitter, former second-round pick of the Orioles out of high school all the way back in 2013, was a former top 100 prospect in baseball, was, uh, you know, a top five prospect for the Orioles at one point, was a top prospect at one point. He is maybe done with the Orioles, and you never know, you know. Uh, if another team does not claim him on waivers, and as of this recording here on Monday night, you know we do not know if anyone has put in a waiver claim for Chance Cisco. If no one claims him, he could potentially, you know, be offered back to the Orioles. And if he, you know, accepts that, you know, spot, he would stay in AAA with the Orioles. Just would be outrighted off the forty-man roster and uh, wouldn't be taking up a spot, but would still be in Norfolk with the O's. And, and that's a possibility. But you could also see Cisco, even if he you know, does not get claimed, just become a free agent, try to sign a, a minor league deal with someone, you know, to uh, to get it started with another organization. And on the one hand, it will be very interesting to see how this waiver process goes because, you know, he's still only 26, former top prospect, you know, left-handed hitting catcher, has a pretty good throwing arm back there, has shown some, you know, at least glimmers of hope at the plate. You know, in 2020, he had that 364 on base percentage, but, you know, he hit 214. He hit, he hit 210 in 2019. You know, we've never seen him play more than 63 games in a season. His high in plate appearances was 2019. He played in 59 games, had 198 plate appearances. That's the biggest sample size we have seen of Chance Cisco at the major league level because, you know, he's never been even the Orioles' starting catcher. And that's the other thing. You know, it wasn't like, you know, he was the starting catcher even on one of these bad teams and it just didn't work out. I mean, the last three years, he has really been the number two option, you know, behind guys like Pedro Severino and, and others at times. And, you know, even in 2018, when he played those most games, you know, you would never probably consider him the starting catcher for the Orioles on that team, maybe for a, a small stretch in 18. But 
you know, he's never really had that job. And so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, again, only 26 years old. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, if someone takes a chance on him. He is arbitration eligible next year, but not a free agent until 2025. So, you know, teams would, would be able to hold on to Chance Cisco. He is out of options, which makes it a little tougher to hold on to him. You got to put him on your 40-man roster. But, you know, we'll see if another team takes a chance. But, you know, even if he does pass through waivers, you, you got to think the time is, is probably up for the Orioles. And, and it is disappointing, you know, that Chance Cisco just did not work out. And you know, we got somewhat of a sample size. He ends up playing 191 games in an Oriole uniform, 598 plate appearances, hits 199 with a 319 on base percentage, 23 doubles, 16 home runs. But, you know, 193 strikeouts in 191 games to just 61 walks. And, you know, the OPS plus of, of 80, he was a below average major league hitter the entire time. And, and that was the thing. You know, the bat was supposed to be better than that. And it, it just wasn't for Chancisco. Ended up under the Mendoza line in his time as an Oriole. You know, I wish him the best, but it just it just did not work out with Chancisco. And, you know, obviously he was a, a top prospect at one point, but, you know, that, that ranking fell quickly. And, and he was only such a top prospect in the Oriole system back then because this system was, was barren for a while. Did not have a lot of players. Nowhere near, obviously, what it is now here in 2021. And so I hope he gets another chance at the major league level. And, and you know, I hope he figures it out. You know, he's uh, been a, a Baltimore guy, you know, drafted out of high school in 2013, eight years, you know, in this organization. That is a long time with one team. And, you know, he's played in parts of, of five different seasons from 2017 until now. He's played, you know, at least a, a handful of games in every season. So he's been a part of the Orioles. And, you know, it just, just didn't work out for Chancisco. And he also, you know, he kind of missed... Uh, the wave of the good Orioles teams. You know, he was drafted at a high school in 2013, and it took him until September of 2017 to get to the big leagues. And by the time he got there, you know, he hit well in those those 10 games he played at the end of 2017. You know, it, it really good stats that at the end of the year, and it gave us hope. But, you know, that's when the Orioles had finally fallen out of contention in 17. And then he shows up in 2018, 19, 20, and 21, all on a really bad Orioles team. So, you know, he never even got to be a part of, of a better team. So, you know, maybe things turn around if a better team takes a chance on him. But, you know, uh, I wish him the best, but it just, it just never worked out. And it, it seemingly got worse as time went on. You know, he wasn't getting better. He was really getting worse. And that all came to a head this season when it was just, I mean, it was basically unwatchable to, to watch him play. But we'll keep our eye on Chan Sisko again. He could still stay in the organization, you know, in AAA and not be on the 40-man. Uh, but we will see. But, the other move was, you know, less of a, a, you know, nobody getting DFA'd or anything. But before Monday's game, uh, the Orioles placed Cesar Valdez on the 10-day injured list and uh, ended up recalling Travis Lakins, who has been just on the Norfolk shuttle uh, all year this year. Lakins has been up and down all season. Uh, but, you know, at least on the Travis Lakins side, uh, he is back. And he's kind of been that perfect 27th man. You know, he's been the 27th man for doubleheaders most, uh, a lot of times. He's been in 21 games, 6.75 ERA. Hasn't been great, you know. Ha- hasn't been terrible. He's obviously much better last year uh, with the Orioles, 22 games and a 2.81 ERA. Uh, but but he'll be up and you know he'll provide some some bullpen depth for the Orioles. But you know Cesar Valdez is is going to go on the injured list here, and, and it is interesting because of what we've seen happen uh, to Cesar Valdez over you know about the past month. You know he has really kind of lost that dead fish, and you know it's been kind of tough to watch at times uh, for Cesar Valdez. And, you know, he lost uh, that uh, that closer role with the Orioles as well. You know, finished last year as the closer. And, uh, you know, now he's got a back injury. He's on the injured list. 
and it hasn't been good to watch for Cesar Valdez. His ERA this season, 5.74 in 25 games, 26 and two-thirds innings. He has struck out 19 on the year, and he does have eight saves because he started this year as the closer, but you know, it just it just hasn't been good now. He's not really walking guys, only seven walks. He's you know only given up the two homers, but now thirty-seven hits and a one six five whip. Guys are just they're just getting to him. You know, he had a he had a one four two ERA in April, uh, but then he had an eleven point five seven ERA in May and a seven point seven one so ERA so far in seven innings in June before hitting the injured list. And and really, you know, you can kind of see where it all fell apart. You know, he was good in April. And then, you know, his first two outings of May were scoreless. And then he had that outing against the Mets. If you remember that blown save uh, in that Tuesday game at City Field where, you know, he had a really a lot of soft contact, you know, got really unlucky in the Mets. You know, they had like three infield singles. Uh, and, you know, he, he uh, I don't even think he walked anybody. He didn't. He just, you know, he struck out a couple guys, got really soft contact. Uh, but he only got one out. And he allowed the two runs. Then his next outing, he allowed a run. Then he, then he put together back-to-back scoreless innings, so we thought you know, he was back to it. And then things just kind of unraveled against Minnesota and against the White Sox. He had back-to-back outings where he only got one out and gave up three runs each. And it's just kind of been that way since then. And he did have a scoreless inning against the Mets back on June 9th, but that is his only scoreless outing out of the five times he has pitched in the month of June and the stuff is just is just different for Valdez, and it's still you know obviously the seventy nine mile per hour changeup, uh, but it's just it's in the middle of the plate too much, and he's not walking guys. That's not been the issue. He's just not able to throw that pitch you know from the knees you know down to a ball, get the swing and miss. Guys you know see it at the knees and they lay off, and then when he throws it up in the zone, guys are clobbering it. And you know he's going to have to take this time on the IL one to get healthy, and two you hope to kind of you know reset his approach. And try and get back there because if he's pitching like he has, you know, the last month or so, he's not a major league pitcher. The Orioles probably are, are going to DFA him at some point. Uh, but you would like him to figure it out because if he can get back to what he was in April, and obviously, of course, what he was in 2020, which was the Orioles closer by the end of the year and fooling everybody, then it'll be fun to have Cesar Valdez again. And you know, I mean, a guy who you know you you would love to be back to to what he was and you know hopefully you know maybe this lower back strain that they're putting him on the 10-day IL with is is some of the issue for him uh, but we will see when he does come back but those are the two moves the Orioles made at the major league level when we come back we'll talk about the minor league level because on Sunday the Orioles made a large group of moves at the minor league level a lot of guys got promoted throughout the system the biggest name Gunnar Henderson who got the bump up to high A. We'll talk about that and all the other moves when we come back. So we'll get back to talking a little Orioles minor league baseball in just a second. But first, got to tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now we've got baseball season in full swing. You can track all the action at betonline.ag. But it's not just baseball action you can track. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. That includes the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs. You know, maybe you put a bet on the Hawks to beat the Sixers, and maybe uh, my man and a fellow University of Maryland student, Kevin Herter, helped you do that on Sunday night. So before the next pitch or puck drop or tip off, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. 
And this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So with rockauto.com, it's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And the rockauto.com prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. You can save time and money by going to Rock Auto. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So speaking of roster moves, the Orioles made a whole bunch of them at the minor league level on Sunday. There were a lot of promotions, and frankly, to a lot of guys who deserved it at the minor league level. And, you know, we've been wanting to, to check in with the minor leagues at least once a week here on this podcast because, frankly, the Orioles at the major league level are bad and the minor league teams are all pretty good. And, you know, we wanted to start with the big-time promotion, and that was of Gunnar Henderson, the Orioles' fifth-ranked prospect in the system. The 19-year-old shortstop has finally been promoted from low A Delmarva to high A Aberdeen and will make his debut with the Ironbirds tonight. And, uh, you know, the reason why this is big is because, you know, people have kind of been waiting for this to happen. Some people thought he might even start the year at Aberdeen, but, you know, because he hadn't played any full-season baseball, he starts at Delmarva, and he just crushed the baseball. 35 games with the Shorebirds, hit 312 with a 389 on base percentage, a 944 OPS. He had eight homers. He had 11 doubles. He was just flat-out ridiculous. Now, he did strike out a lot, you know, 46 strikeouts to just 14 walks in the 35 games, but... Other than that, he was basically flawless at the plate. Most of those homers were oppo tacos. It was fun to watch, and uh, he had a, a great 35 games with the Shorebirds, and he will now be up at High Aberdeen where he will join Jordan Westberg, who was also promoted to Aberdeen a couple of weeks ago. Now, that was obviously the big name, and, and he's the big guy we will watch, you know, play shortstop uh, with the Aberdeen Ironbirds, but there were other names who got promoted and just did kind of want to, you know, go over these guys a little bit to, you know, let you know where they are headed and, and, you know, if you should be keeping an eye on some of these players. So the first two we will get to are the guys who were actually promoted to the Delmarva Shorebirds. These were guys who, you know, were hanging out at the, uh, you know, site in Sarasota uh, who had not been promoted to a team yet uh, for a multitude of reasons. Now, the Gulf Coast League will be starting up next week in which those guys that are still down there will actually be playing games. Uh, but, you know, there are some some guys who were promoted a little early. The first guy is Yorkis Landy Alvarez, who was a signing by the Orioles out of Cuba a couple years ago, a 22-year-old shortstop who, for the O's, played at the Dominican Summer League basically for all of 2019. Now, we got two games at the Gulf Coast League right at the end of the year, but in 56 games at the Dominican Summer League in 2019, hit 276 with a 391 on base percentage. Not a power hitter, no homers, five doubles, uh, but he was an 
on base and walk machine. 36 walks to just 17 strikeouts in 56 games. He was also 22 of 27 stealing bases. He is a speedy on base machine shortstop, and he is a little older at 22, you know, for the level, but he's definitely interesting with the skill set. I'm, I'm kind of excited uh, to watch his skill set kind of play out at the full season level with Delmarva, and he basically takes Gunnar Henderson's spot, you know, as the shortstop or at least a shortstop option for the Shorebirds. Now, the other guy who got promoted to Delmarva, I think, is even more exciting, and that is Lamar Sparks, the 22-year-old outfielder who was the Orioles' fifth-round pick out of high school back in 2017. Now, you know, you would think fifth-rounder in 2017, why is he just now getting to Delmarva? Well, Lamar Sparks should probably be much higher in this system, but he has dealt with a multitude of injury issues in his career. Missed the entire 2018 season because of injuries. So, you know, in 2017 at the Gulf Coast League after getting drafted, uh, hit 241, 385 on base in 42 games. Then he gets injured in 18, basically has to come back from the injury and essentially rehab again and go to the GCL. So in 36 games in 2019 at the GCL, hit 240, 342 on base. And, you know, he still hasn't played in full season ball. So finally, Lamar Sparks should be making his debut with the Shorebirds tonight. That's going to be exciting because he was a fifth round pick with a lot of talent out of high school in Texas. Center fielder, great defender, really good bat. Uh, really excited uh, to finally see him. Finally, you know, here four years after that draft in 2017 to finally see him at a full season affiliate with the Orioles. Now, moving up a level, Gunnar Henderson was not the only player to go from Delmarva to Aberdeen. Uh, Trevor Cahey also made that move, 24-year-old outfielder who was the Orioles' 36th-round pick in 2019 out of the Colorado School of Mines uh, below the Division I level. He was struggling a little bit in Delmarva. 26 games, hitting 207, but he was getting on base at a good clip at 363. Did have seven doubles and two homers. His, you know, promotion, a lot of it has to do with his age. You know, already 24. You got to get him at least up to Aberdeen to see what he can do. Um, so hopefully Trevor uh, can maybe up the, the offensive numbers a little bit at Aberdeen as he will still be uh, older than a lot of his competition that he's facing at the high A level. The other guy uh, was another outfielder that got promoted, and that was the 24-year-old outfielder Dylan Harris, who was an Orioles undrafted free agent signing after the 2020 draft out of North Carolina. Again, another guy who's older um, and does need to get up to Aberdeen. Kind of a similar story, you know, 29 games, 224 average, uh, but a 419 on base. Big time on base machine is Dylan Harris. Uh, he just did hit his one home run in Delmarva actually this weekend. 25 walks to 27 strikeouts in 29 games. That's something that batter's eye uh, to watch when he goes to Aberdeen. So three players went from low A Delmarva to high A Aberdeen, and then three players went from high A Aberdeen up to double A Bowie. The first one is probably the most exciting one, I would say, and that is the 23-year-old right-handed pitcher Kyle Brinovich, who was one of the four pitchers whom the Orioles received from the Angels in the Dylan Bundy trade a couple off-seasons ago. Now, he was an eighth-round pick of the Angels in 2019 out of Elon, comes over in the trade, and was really dominant so far this year 
in high A Aberdeen. He made eight starts for the Ironbirds and had a 2.36 ERA. In 34 and a third innings, he allowed just nine runs on 18 hits. He struck out 48 batters and walked just 11. Opponents hit just 144 against him. Brinovich has really good stuff. He's kind of a, a very underrated prospect in the system. I think is going to be in people's midseason top 30 lists uh, when those come out in July. He is definitely someone to keep an eye on. He should slot right into the Bowie rotation, especially with D.L. Hall on the injured list right now for Bowie. Brinovich should get his chances with the Bay Sox. Now, another guy going from high A to double A is one of my personal favorite Orioles prospects. That's 24-year-old third baseman Toby Welk, who was the Orioles' 21st round pick in the 2019 draft out of Penn State Berks. He was named the best player in Division Three baseball in 2019, and all he has done in the Orioles system is hit. In 2019, between Aberdeen and Delmarva, 57 games, 330 average, 388 on base, 13 doubles, and four homers. He continued it, not at the same rate, but pretty well so far in Aberdeen in 2021. 36 games, a 265 average, a 367 on base, five doubles, two homers, 20 walks in 36 games, and five stolen bases for Welk as well. You know, 24-year-old, really good hitting prospect. Uh, there's a question about where he plays defensively, uh, but what a story he is from the Division Three level to continue to tear it up, and he gets to the A level with the Orioles. And then the last guy uh, is an outfielder who will go from Aberdeen to Bowie. And another exciting player is going to Bowie, and that is the 23-year-old outfielder, Kyle Stowers, who was the Orioles' competitive balance B round selection in 2019, which means he was picked pretty high in the draft. He was the Orioles' third overall selection. They picked Adley 1-1, then they took Gunnar Henderson, and then with the 71st overall pick, they took Kyle Stowers out of Stanford, and he is known for this huge power bat from the left side, and he has shown it off. You know, 55 games in Aberdeen in 2019. He had six home runs and 13 doubles, but the average and on base were kind of down. He fixed those things a bit in Aberdeen this year, 36 games with the Ironbirds hitting 275 with a 404 on base, six doubles, seven home runs. Now, he has drawn 27 walks in 36 games. The only issue, he has a lot of swing and miss in his game. 55 strikeouts for Stowers in 36 games. We'll see if he can cut that down, but he's got light tower power from the left side. He will be fun to watch for the Bay Sox. And then finally, the Orioles moving two players up from AA Bowie to AAA Norfolk. Now, the first one is just more of a, a paper move. That is Yusniel Diaz, who was technically on a rehab assignment uh, with Bowie this last week after he injured his leg in Norfolk this year. In the five games with Bowie this week, he had a homer, a double. Uh, he ended up going five for 18 at the plate with three walks and five strikeouts. He will go back to Norfolk. He's only played six games with the Tides this year and was 5-for-25 at the dish with a home run, seven strikeouts, one walk. So he'll go back to Norfolk. And again, if Yusniel Diaz can just stay healthy in Norfolk, put up some solid numbers, he has a good chance to be in the Oriole outfield at some point you know, in July or August this year. Just need him to stay healthy. It was another injury. Finally, he's back. So hopefully he can, in fact, stay healthy. But the other call-up who will actually be making his debut in AAA Norfolk is the 26-year-old infielder J.C. Escara 
who was the Orioles' 15th round pick all the way back in 2017 out of FIU, and he has just climbed his way through the Orioles system. He played in the GCL in 2017. He played in Aberdeen and Frederick in 2018. He spent the whole year in Frederick in 2019 at high A. He hit 235 that year, 13 homers, 16 doubles. And then he got, you know, the season started at Bowie this year. 37 games with the Bay Sox for Escara. He hit 219, but with a 354 on base percentage, four doubles, four homers, 22 walks, 35 strikeouts in 37 games. So for Escara, you know, 26 years old, he really needs this AAA shot, and uh, he's going to get it. He can play the infield, you know, first base, third base. He can play a little outfield as well. Orioles have been putting him out there. Uh, a left-handed hitter uh, who, you know, can surprise some people uh, with his bat at times. But he's re- really interesting to see how Escara does at AAA. You know, he's been in this system, you know, for, for a little bit of time now after being picked in 2017, and good to see him continue to climb the ranks. But those are the moves the Orioles made at the minor league level. And again, it continues to be exciting. The Orioles just dominating all parts of minor league baseball at the moment. But back at the major league level, the Orioles are right back at it tonight against the Houston Astros. Game two of three against Houston on a Tuesday night at Oriole Park at Camden Yard. 7.05 first pitch and uh, one of the legends of the game on the mound will take the hill for the Astros. That is Zach Granke, the 37-year-old right-hander, will make his 16th start of the season. Granke with a 3.74 ERA on the season. In 91 and a third innings, he struck out only 66. Not the strikeout artist he used to be, but still putting up solid numbers. His last start against the Rangers, five and two-thirds innings, three runs, four hits, four Ks, two walks. He will face off in the Tuesday night game against Jorge Lopez, who is trying to Rebound from a a pretty disappointing start his last time out. The 28-year-old righty making his 15th start has a 5.95 ERA in 65 innings, and in his last start against Cleveland, four and a third innings, five runs, seven hits, three Ks, and one walk. So it's Lopez versus Granky tonight in Game Two, Orioles and Astros. We will be back with you tomorrow to recap Game Two of this series and talk all things. Orioles baseball. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.